as long as I continued to make everything look pretty and shiny on the outside, I didn't care how miserable and ugly I felt on the inside. I realized that I deserved a better me, so I can be the wife and the mom that I really wanted to be. If you're ready to get real about addiction treatment, call Karen. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Thirsty Thursday. I'm thirsty for cannabis news. Breaking it down here with Javier Hase. Everybody, put your hands together for Javier, the newest member of the Blue Check Club on Twitter. He is verified. Verified and veracity. Javier, what's up, brother? How are you doing? How are you doing? You always pump me up. You know, I, I, I got to do Dude, come on, Mister. dude. Honestly, having a great time. Yeah, like I, I mean, we're having a great time right now. Like I, I get to what read Javier's news all day long. We can talk about cannabis all day. Super cool, Javi. What do you do for work? Can what do I do for work? A little bit, because here's here's something that I find interesting. Right, we we always talk about being a cannabis executive, right? Running a cannabis company, right? But your work is mostly cannabis. Um, cannabis related right it's with cannabis i should say you know like like i work with cannabis companies uh and we get them visibility you know we we work with companies in a variety of ways but essentially we want to introduce them we want them to connect we then want them to connect with our audience we want them to connect with uh other investors um you know and benzinga is uh we are the connector that's our goal in this industry is to be the connector so we need to have large networks, right? We need to, you know, I yeah. We, you cannot smoke uh, your cannabis without rolling papers or a smoking device. We are that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you Rolling know what? Medium. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be the case without Javier Haas. Hey, Haas. Hey. <laughs> um, and you know what? This is fun. This is a blast, Javier. Um, let's get to some news super quick because we have two rocking interviews um, today. So one is going to be a recorded segment. As always, we do this a lot of times but with Bradley Natras, CEO of Urban Grow, NASDAQ-listed UGRO, one of the leading ancillary stocks. They're international. They're hydroponics. They're ancillary. Uh, and the other is with the CEO of a United States-based multi-state operator, Tilt Holdings, Gary Santo. Um, what's up? Yeah, honestly, like, uh, two rocking interviews today, but there's one piece of news and I apologize again. I never get you guys the headlines I want to talk about first, and then I'll turn it over to Javier. But there was a, a story that came out today that caught my attention and I wanted your thoughts on it. It said legal cannabis led to a 10% reduction in, I think, foster care, um, enrollments, you know, you know, you know, kids going into foster care. And I was like, whoa, a, that they can directly associate that and B that that number is that high. Okay. So 
The first thing I would say is correlation does not imply causation, right? Which means That's a nice phrase, Javi. There may be, it might just be completely random, right? Uh, it may have to be to do with the the pandemic, right? It may have to do so with we need more time. Less yeah. Okay. Stagger, people are making less babies. That they're being more careful. That suddenly protection and prophylaxis became a much more central part of our lives with masks and washing our hands, right? And, and suddenly wearing a condom doesn't sound as crazy as it used to for many people. Education uh, is, is vital. The variables, the outliers, whatever you want to call them, need to be taken into account. Good talk. Javi, what you got for us today, man? What's on your mind? Actually, I, I, want you, I want your input on, on the mode news, right? Can you tell our, our, our audience a little bit about what, what's up with modes, what modes cool. and why we got their exclusive today? Because we have that exclusive. We have an exclusive from, from Four Seasons co-founder. We have like a bunch of exclusives this week, but just like, what's up so with mode? Mode is super cool. They are um, an inhalation device uh, for cannabis that obviously based off extracts um, that basically you, you measure the dose and they're one of the first ones that I saw, but they officially launched, I think, um, just recently, if not today, right, Javi? Um, so with that, like, like what mode is doing, um, is so user-friendly. It's so, um, I, I think it's a wonderful step forward in, in the microdosing and exact dosage market, which you're, you're on one side or the other in that, whether you think that is the future or you think that's complete BS. Either way, um, their device is, it's like next generation cool. Oh yeah. What do you think, Javi? I love it. I think it's very cool. And I think dosing is everything when it comes to having a good experience in cannabis. So uh, to me, this is very, very cool news. Jumping to a couple other exclusives, uh, a Four Seasons co-founder launched a high, like, you know, announced they are launching a, a chain of high-end recreational cannabis consumption lounges under the name Kisterian. Uh, founders Cameron Forney, you may know him. Oh, yeah. And Select, uh, right? And Select, oh, exactly. Then Frank, Frank Arenstein and Jonathan Eisenberg. They joint forces, all of them very, very prolific backgrounds in the corporate world. And they will, they'll be launching some, some consumption lounges, very high-end in West Hollywood, San Francisco, Vegas, Miami, New York, and Barcelona. Wow. So it, it, licensing, uh, is that an issue still with a lot of these um, regions? Probably, but I think that's, you know, that's kind of their jam, right? It's, you know, where they will... That were, where they will leverage Cameron Forney's experience in cannabis to to really get these licenses and get the, the lounges going. Um, New one just popped up in Michigan too. Um, yeah, uh, that was just licensed. I think Trucinta. We talked about that. So Javi, next time you and I go visit Benzinga headquarters, well, we may have to stop in and see how that oh, yeah. first lounge is doing in that state. We need to get to our first guest though, uh, which is in fact the one, the only Gary Santo. Aaron, play us in, brother. There he is. <laughs> Gary, what's up, my friend? Gentlemen, how you doing? Good. You know, I feel it necessary in my soul because my brother, every time he interviews you, comments on a hockey stick that you have in your office. And the fact that he's not on today and you're not in your office today, to me, 
it just there's a <laughs> there's a melody there that needs to be sung. Uh, <laughs> Gary, good to have you back on, man. Uh, no, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So, Gary, we we've had you on several times, man. I'm not sure we need a reintroduction here. So, I'd like to dive right in. Understanding oh, yeah, no. a little both, bit. Both Mr. Gary Santo and Tilt Holding are both saints of our devotion. That is. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that was a lot nicer than what I said. Uh, now yeah. I feel dumb. <laughs> Gary, you know, let's dive in, man. You recently released, uh, you, you know, your, your performance report. Yeah. I think you're you're up 1% uh, sequentially, but I think there's a lot more that you've done behind the scenes. To me, I think the most impressive thing about what you've done is you've stayed ahead of the curve when it comes to pricing issues in cannabis. Uh, you You have divested unnecessary assets. Uh, from Tilt, but you know, talk to us a little bit about your performance in the most recent quarter. Yeah, happy to do it again. Thanks for having me. So I'm I'm actually in our Cambridge, our former Cambridge headquarters. It's still our Cambridge offices. It's located right above our dispensary. So uh, it's a great space. Nice. We should use it more. Uh, so I, I like being <laughs> here. Uh, so no, we you know we we had a really strong year. You know, I know we put out guidance, and now we came up a, a little bit short. So we had 205 million, I think, was the bottom end of our range, and we came in at 2027. So just missed that. And adjusted EBIT, I think it was 24, and we came in at 22.5. So very respectable, up 28 percent. Mm-hmm. You know, a little over 30 percent on the EBITDA front. So you know, I think what's key is we saw a lot of the same softness that I think the others in the market did see uh, in terms of third quarter into fourth quarter, and then it's persisted a little bit into the first quarter. But mostly that's been on wholesale or maybe our own branded products. Uh, it's what we thought we would see happen over time. Granted, we thought we had more like a year and a half or so before that full transition would occur. Um, but what we did see during that same period was a strength in our brand partner sales. Now, when we saw the softness starting to develop in the third quarter, we really moved quickly to activate the brands we had signed. So we already had activated Her Highness, but getting Old Pal up and running, getting Arrow, uh, and then working to get 1906 approved. And now they're in production right now in our Ohio facility. Uh, and while you know we didn't have a lot of their SKUs out, I think we had 17 or so SKUs, uh, and then another 24 that we took over for Arrow. Um, you know, they very quickly became a meaningful part of our business. And what we noticed is the price uh, structure there held up. They did not require discounting and the demand remained strong. So we sold through everything that we manufactured compared to our regular wholesale business. So the bulk flour, the distillate, uh, you know, and let's say the non-brand partner products where we did see that same softness everyone else did see. So the good news is on that small sample size, uh, pretty much what we hoped would happen is what we did see happen. So now 2022 is about activating the rest of the SKUs within those brands. And then we've already added two more brand names in Toast and Timeless. Uh, and our head of Corp Dev is continuing to power on through about two or three other uh, opportunities we think make a lot of sense. And we're, we're sort of being very sensitive to the speed at which we bring on the brands and really which brands we're bringing on. Because, you know, we're really not in a position to just keep adding 10 or 15 brands. Every mm-hmm. year. It's got to be methodical. Um, And I think one big key to that is sort of a behind the scenes uh, that I think you might have been alluding to, which is what did we do uh, with our cultivation and manufacturing? And we sat down with the team at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter and really talked about what the facility should be able to do versus what it was doing. And there were just some limitations with our SOPs, with some of our lighting, uh, with some of the strains that we were growing in our garden. So taking advantage of that slowdown that we saw we took some pretty aggressive steps uh, just in terms of, you know, ending certain runs that we were doing and actually popping uh, flour from seeds instead of trying to do just clones from the mother room. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, And it changed our harvest schedule a little bit, but really overall what we've seen, and we'll start to see some of those harvests coming in in the next few months. But uh, as we looked at our Pennsylvania facility, I think we mentioned on our call, we were only putting out about seven grams of flour per square foot a year ago in those greenhouses. Now we're at about 28. Uh, and that's that's OK. Uh, we should be closer in the 50s. Uh, certainly that's what we're doing up in Massachusetts. Um, but the potency ratings are up over almost 85 uh, percent. In fact, we just had a uh, I was down at Taunton yesterday visiting with our head of cultivation and he was excited. He got one of his tests back and popped over 37 percent. Uh, which is the highest he's ever gotten in his career. Uh, so yeah. we're pretty excited about that one. Um, but also our rooting times, we decreased from 20 days to about 10 days. Uh, and then the automation, uh, you know, the ability to go from doing about 1,000 prepackaged eights uh, a week to more like 10,000. So really stepping up what our, our facilities can actually do, reducing the harvest times, getting in a full six turns of each of our rooms, uh, all things you're doing behind the scenes that, you know, in, in the first quarter of this year, you're starting to see a little bit of that. But as we get into second and third quarter, I think it's going to allow us to go to that next level. Why did you move to seeds? I'm, I'm curious, right? Like, I am a big fan of seeds uh, over clones. But at the same time, you know, a lot of it, people in the industry tell me, no, you know, clones, you know, they're more predictable. They're faster. You know, they're 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 always like the same right basically so why, why do you move to seeds I'm, I'm curious is it like a cost thing no no not at all in fact uh, really the the intent there was to really start to change the genetic profile we've gotten very good at growing a few strains uh you know and and really putting those out on a consistent basis in the marketplace but we really felt that as these brands start to expand some of them are looking for dedicated strains and such and we thought of different ways to bring those strains in. And we felt the cleanest way to do it from a biosecurity perspective is to pop them from seeds. If we start bringing in other plants and trying to clone them off of there, you run the serious amount of biosecurity issues. So uh, our head of cultivation, Sean Cute, really had some great relationships with folks in California and elsewhere, was able to get in with a number of seed distributors and both in Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. I think he said we had something about 25 or, or 30 different seed strains. And we're basically popping half of those in Massachusetts and then the other half in Pennsylvania because those are a little bit more uh, dedicated to greenhouse grow. But we have the ability then to switch and to then take the ones we popped in Pennsylvania and now uh, unleash those later on in Massachusetts and vice versa. So it was very intentional. Uh, I think it's really not slowed us down at all. It was just more blowing out those mother rooms and really bringing in all the new genetics. So we're excited. I think we're going to have about 14 or 15 new strains Probably. hitting each of our markets. Uh, and then, of course, we'll start doing some interesting stuff with those strains. That's exciting, man. And uh, for the audience joining us, what's up, Eagle, Daryl, um, Clay, uh, everybody joining us, the, the brands that you mentioned are not small or not, not known. <laughs> you mentioned Her Highness, 1906, Toast, uh, Old Pal. These are well-known companies within this industry. So I just want to point that out for anybody that, that was listening to Gary early on. Um, you know, secondly, kind of taking a step back and looking at your strategy ahead uh, in 2022. You know, you know, we talked about how you went a little bit leaner, you made aggressive moves. Um, you made differently aggressive moves than maybe some of your competitors in the MSO landscape who were uh, rolling things up like, you know, you know, you know, throwing money out, you know, getting whatever you want to say about it or making giant transactions. When we look at Tilt's strategy, you know, for expansion, uh, is it to focus and grow what you have organically? Because uh, it seems like you have uh, been very good at that, but you've also added key assets uh, as well here and there. So I'd love to hear more about your strategy moving into 2022 and your growth. 
Sure. I mean, obviously the big one that we did last year was signing that, uh, that deal with the Shinnecock nation uh, mm-hmm. out in the Hamptons mm-hmm. of Long Island. And I think that was an interesting way and a unique way to get into the New York market, but then also address the social inequities out there uh, and be able to develop something that could serve two purposes. Uh, I think we're excited right now. We continue to be in the design phase. We hope to break ground uh, in the not too distant future to get both the dispensary up and running and the full cultivation and manufacturing. But we've also been working closely with other MSOs in the state to try to get wholesale going. Um, you know, one of the questions there is if we built the dispensary, could we purchase wholesale product from the other MSOs? And the short answer is tremendous willingness for the MSOs to do that. But they need assurances that if they sell over sovereign state lines, they will not violate their New York state license. So oh, yeah. we're working very closely with the state to see if we can craft a good SOP that we can all agree to. And then that could open the door for wholesaling, which once we mm-hmm. get the cultivation and, and manufacturing going, then the door swings back in the other direction. So we're, we're looking for unique opportunities like that. But as we look further out, you know, I think this past year, maybe the year before, we really did worry about our own assets and getting them to operate efficiently and getting them integrated. Before you start thinking about jumping to more markets and adding more capabilities, you better know you're doing the ones you already have well. And I think that's really what the team wanted to do, getting that the leadership team finalized by the end of last year. And we've got some really solid folks coming from all different operators throughout the uh, throughout the, the cannabis industry and then start to look through those brands and see where they think they're heading. Like, what are the form factors they want? What are the states that are interesting to them? So as we start to look beyond just our existing footprint, that will help us determine where best to go. Um, we've been really blessed in that the brands we work with seem to really enjoy the experience. And I think part of it is we do really treat those brands as if they're our own. So when we talk about Mm -hmm. how to allocate biomass or how to allocate production runs, you will never see Tilt put its own products ahead of those of our brand partners. We look at what's selling. We look at where the demand is. And then we start doing our production and our grows off of that. So uh, we literally are putting these folks on equal footing and certainly in shelf space. We are very happy in our three retail stores or two retail stores. Uh, third, the Cambridge one hopefully will open up by summer. Uh, we're very happy to share that shelf space with either MSOs who purchase a lot from us or all of the brands themselves. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think I think it really opens up the door and having a fairly clean balance sheet. I know we have some debt that we need to refinance and we're working on getting through that pipe right now. Um, but I think as we start to look elsewhere, seeing all these deals getting done and the assets that might be uh, coming up available, it feels like we've really spent our time well so that we'll be in a great position as things start to pop up to be very opportunistic. I love how I say competitors and Gary hears partners. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign of a good businessman right there. You know, we have like probably one minute left. I, I, so in this one minute, if you had to pack, you know, this answer into, into one minute, no, we know the MSO gang is is pretty pretty uh, convinced that that US operators, especially multi-state operators, will be the winners in in this, you know, in this cannabis market, right? How does Tilt differentiate from from the other MSOs? Like what makes Tilt the most investable? In You're giving that to him for a minute answer. That's so rude. Obviously. Oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> the elevator pitch. This is in one minute. No, I, I, th- I think that we are the only operator out there that truly has end-to-end throughout the continuum. So you have the whole hardware division where we don't even touch the plant, uh, that we're able to provide hardware, we're able to provide packaging, and then we come on over to the plant side where we're bringing you the brands that you want to have on your shelf. And we're coming up with innovation. We can get you biomass. Pretty much anything you need, you can come through us. So when I say a partner, it really is a partnership 
we're not going to fight you for retail space. Uh, we're not going to be trying to prove that we can have the biggest uh, you know, footprint anywhere. I think for us, we're going to be in the states that matter, supplying the MSOs that matter and the independent brands and the social equity brands out there as well. Uh, we treat everyone equally from that front. So I think it's a differentiated play. It's a more diversified play. I get that the margins look a little different, um, but I think slow and steady ultimately is going to win this race uh, because we're all sort of trading in that same uh, shape of the curve, no matter whether you're a flashy or a you know slow and steady kind of uh, operator. That's a great Great point, Gary. Um, awesome. The conversation's never over, my friend. Honestly, we love talking to you. You're a great partner to Benzinga. We appreciate you. Uh, and you're kicking butt, Gary. So let's do this again soon, my friend. But Gary Santo, CEO, Tilt Holdings, OTC listed, TLLTF. Uh, keep well, my friend. We'll see you in Miami in less than two weeks. Yes, looking forward to that. Thanks again for having me. Take right, care, See guys. you soon, Gary. Bye. What are you talking about? What's Miami? Why Miami? Tell our audience. Uh, we're just sending him to Miami. We're not going. <laughs> no, guys, bzcannabis.com. If you want to see one of the best agendas ever put together for a cannabis event, in my opinion, I'm not biased or anything, uh, we will have Nancy Mace, David Joyce, Gary Santo. Most every major MSO is represented with their C-suite leadership. Uh, most every major international company that you all think about is represented with their C-suite leadership. Uh, this is going to be a massive event you can watch one of our stages online here on our YouTube, or you can be there to watch more exclusive content, yeah, uh, bzcannabis.com. And honestly, you're not going to regret it. So check it out, bzcannabis.com. Uh, if you want to, Lane 30, L-A-N-E 30 is a 30% off Ooh. discount, your ticket. Uh, giving it out Ooh, on here for all of the people who Damn. watch. Yeah, appreciate you guys for watching. Are we allowed to do that? I just did we're, it. We're not getting in trouble for this? I okay. just did it. You know, so if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. <laughs> like it is what it is at this point. <laughs> it's too late, Avi. Um, don't make me feel bad. Uh, all right, y'all. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. Check out this awesome interview coming up, Javi and I did, with the CEO of Urban Grow, UGRO. Javi, are any last words for the audience before we hit that up? No, no, no. Let's get to you grow. You grow. I grow. We grow. Go cannabis. Together. What's up? What's up? Welcome to a special segment of Cannabis Insider. Excited to be here, as always, with the ever-handsome, the curly-headed, the glasses-ridden Javier Hase, uh, the Argentinian <laughs> action figure. What's up, my friend? Aren't all segments kind of special? They, yeah, but a special segment being we we will go out of our way to talk to cool people, right? And that's who we're talking to today. Let's bring him over. We're going to bring over the CEO of Urban Grow, Bradley Natras. Let's bring him right on over. What's up, my friend? NASDAQ listed UGRO there on your screen. How you been? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Doing very well. It's been a busy year. It's been a busy month for Urban Grow specifically. You want to tell us about it? Some acquisitions, some uh, reporting in the last few days? Yeah, you bet. It's been, uh, the momentum continues to, uh, the momentum is building, that's for sure. And uh, we're enjoying the ride. Uh, announced uh, full year results uh, on Tuesday this week. We uh, finished with $62 million, up about 140% versus uh 2020 and uh we ended up making a had had positive adjusted EBITDA sorry of 2.7 million so that was up about 3.3 million from year prior so lots of momentum uh finished the year with 30 million of backlog 
and uh, that's uh, business, both services and, and equipment uh, contracts signed, deposits in, and that will ship in Q1 and Q2. So entering the year uh, on, a, on a great pace. And uh, we announced a couple of weeks ago the acquisition of Emerald Construction Management. It is the, the final piece in, in putting together the vision of, of being the, the leading provider of turnkey services, architecture, engineering, construction management services, plus now we uh, can do full, complete design build facilities. So the leader in, in indoor controlled environment ag, phenomenal uh, uh, tailwinds right now for the company and our and our 125 employees now, I think I believe it. How are you different from, from other companies offering turnkey solutions for, for growers, right? I, I've seen quite a few, some more successful than others, few as, as successful as Urban Grow, acknowledging that, but like, no, why, why you? <laughs> so it's all in-house, you know, nothing's outsourced. And, you know, the architects and interior designers are, are designing cultivation facilities, extraction facilities, processing facilities and, uh, and dispensaries. The engineering, uh, mechanical, electrical and plumbing culminates in, in true construction documents that are used by general contractors to build out the facility. And now with the construction management piece, and the ability to do complete design build facilities. We really are a company now where a client can pick up the phone and call us, make one call and have all of their needs needs taken care of uh, in-house uh, at Urban Grove. With Emerald Construction, does this become an entrant into your services now uh, or is this more of an add-on service? Yes, uh, it's more uh, the initial touch with the client is the architecture. And, and so this is more of a service that comes online six to eight months after that initial touch. And the construction management uh, as a service is interviewing, hiring general contractors for the client. Um, we put a project manager, remote project manager on each project and then an on-site uh, superintendent as well. But we manage the whole project for the client and then make sure everything's commissioned at the end on the facility. The alternative, when we design build, we are actually then hiring the general contractors ourselves and doing a project, one invoice, we deliver an operational facility 18 months later. I was curious, does this kind of boost you with other cannabis companies? This is expand your, your portfolio there. Where was their place in cannabis before you acquired them? About a third of their business was CEA and two thirds non-CEA. With the acquisition, we have 20 employees. We have 10 job racks out. That's how busy they are and how much opportunity there is now for us to, uh, to bolster up that offering. But it's really the skill set, the network of general contractors that they have in-house and, and relationships with. It's really that's what we're accessing. So it's that it's that one piece that we were missing from able to be, from being able to uh, to provide our clients with an end to end solution. A part of me thought that that you know uh, starting you know to, to trade on the Nasdaq you know would mean that the job was done, and it's barely started. It, it's now more work than ever, right? And so, like, what are some of the benefits and and some of the challenges that you've seen so far from from being a Nasdaq traded uh, company? So it changed everything for us, you know, before. We were long in positive attitude, long in vision, short on working capital. And like many companies in our space, uh, you know, our, our growth was really um, 
you know, probably our growth was held back by the amount of working capital that we had at the time when we when we uplisted and raised $62 million, everything changed. Uh, what we've proven is the vision was correct when we uplisted. And that vision that we have, and now we've filled in all of the, the missing parts, it's it's here in front of us and it's so rewarding. Uh, we finished the year with 35, just under 35 million of cash and no debt uh, whatsoever. And all of these service acquisitions that we're making are a little bit of cash, equity, and then an earnout as well, either in cash or equity. So we found a, a nice formula to to keep being that that uh, that company that that can keep acquiring these service companies in the global controlled environment X space, and uh, and just keep getting better and better. Now the challenges are also what I love. You know, of course, there's the reporting, there's the earnings calls, um, there's meeting with analysts and investors and funds. Uh, on a nonstop basis, really. Yep. And so the challenge is how do I, how do I capture and spread myself out amongst all of the needs of the organization, plus focusing now on the public market side. How do the you? answer to that is <laughs> hi- hiring really talented individuals around me. You know, a president, COO who, who has been a CEO of a Nasdaq company, who's building these processes and procedures building the foundation for the company so we can scale far above where we are now without having any uh, any roadblocks, um, having a public markets uh, CFO, bringing on a chief of staff that uh, worked on the design build side for a US MSO and was responsible on the client side for, for building seven facilities and, uh, and, a, and a dispensary. So it's just, it's, it's, it's given us that, that wherewithal to to bring skill sets on, build out our world class team. Our, our our employees have stock options and and stock equity. You know, being on the Nasdaq's cool not only for employees, but the companies we're acquiring. That's a major reason that they wanna that they wanna get on our boat, is because uh, they they can they yeah, can watch totally. their hard work pay off in uh, in spades. You know, kind of to close it up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I've been following your your share repurchase program, which is something I always like to see, right? The companies betting on themselves. Uh, can you explain a little bit of the rationale behind behind the, the program and behind you acquiring the stock, where the funds are coming from, and you know what's the, the ultimate intent here? Yeah, for sure. At the end of Q2 last year, we were sitting with uh, about $50 million cash. And when we're acquiring these service, um, profitable service companies, they uh, they don't take a large a large cash outlay to to close, and when you w- we knew how well we were doing, and when you look at the stock price, and the stock price was I think it was below nine, it touched on eight. We that's about 0.6 times trailing twelve months revenue as an enterprise value. So I looked at it and and I felt and our our board felt we were unanimously uh, in line together that this was the best use of our capital right now because we know that the value uh, is, is much greater than where it was trading at. And so also we didn't have um, any analog direction and uh, we're growing, we're not pulling back at all. So entering, entering Q1 this year, we actually enacted the stock buyback again, two times, total of 2.5 million. So the buyback program is no longer operating right now. And, and I feel that we've got a lot of momentum and we won't have to do that again. But in total, we spent between about eight and a half million dollars yeah. in, in buybacks since we uplisted. 
Bradley Natras, CEO, co-founder of Urban Grow, NASDAQ listed UGRO. Uh, Brad, thanks as always for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks, gentlemen. Look forward to seeing you in Miami. Yes, Miami Beach. We'll see you there, sir. All right. Take care. See ya. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. When your life depends on it, when everything is on the line, you've got to get real about addiction treatment. Only Karen offers 65 years of medical expertise in evidence-based treatment with real proven results. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. So if you're ready for something real, visit caron.org slash real today. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over the counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. 